Hello and welcome to the Crackpot Podcast with James LaFond and Lynn Lockhart. This is episode two of our podcast. We taped this episode on June 16th. Hello again, James. We had our first podcast conversation yesterday, and uh, we're going to do a little bit more today because it was so much fun. How many do you think that will break up into? What what do you think you're looking at lengthwise for your uh, crackpot podcast? (laughs) Uh, I was thinking in the neighborhood of 20 15 to 20 minutes segments, so probably four, three to four, let's say. Oh, okay. So it, it'll be in that vice length. You know, yeah. They do the documentaries for the Stoner leftoids. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, do you think that uh, your listeners would like longer segments? Uh, no, no. They're, they're not leftoids, but uh, the other part might apply to some of them. <laughs> Uh, so we're we're probably good keeping in the uh, 15 to 20 minute range. I know Oliver told me for uh, videos that he posts on Facebook, they're now looking at under one minute mm-hmm. for any type of video is the preferred length. Wow. It's almost like uh, the attention span is now based on world star <laughs> bus fights. <laughs> Or, or like just a, t- a TV commercial. Like that's all I oh, got. You know, that's probably where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. I want to watch one commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and I've noticed uh, on Facebook that most uh, or many of the videos have subtitles as well, which, you know, you don't want to. <laughs> really? You, yeah, because what if you don't want to turn your sound on? Yeah, they they'll put some subtitles there so you can just kind of scroll through and. Either that or they're just <laughs> – I haven't friended Oliver on Facebook, but I get a lot of recipe videos. Okay, but uh, it, see if I get this right. Yeah. If you have two hoes banging each other in the head on a bus <laughs> and somebody is world-starring this on their smartphone uh-huh. and it gets pasted on – it gets the video goes up on Facebook, Yeah. Uh, will – is there some a computer software that's translating <laughs> their ebonics, and, and will it be correct? Uh, maybe not. Uh, there, I I would imagine by now that there are uh, automated translations, or I guess you could say uh, uh, caption software. I don't know, but. It's really hard to get it. I would imagine it would be really hard to get it to do any kind of uh, non-standard English or slang. Well, that could be even better if you could see the King's English printed (laughs) underneath of these two. That would be really a translation. That would be be a dual language uh, broadcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But I'm thinking more of like – it just depends who your your Facebook friends are because I don't get any world star in my feed. I get like uh, (laughs) – I get a lot of like animal rescue videos saying, "Oh, this this dog was found uh, half starved in the junkyard," and and uh, you know shows the rehabilitation of the poor animal there. So it, it that's what my Facebook uh, provides to me. Oh, okay. I um, I can't get on my Facebook because I quit Facebook and. Uh, 
Bart set up this Facebook thing for me, and it started screaming at me to join, and I don't want to join. So I can get on there for about two seconds, see how many likes I've lost or gained. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I kind of just get kicked off this big, uh, you know, become a Facebook person. Right, right. They, me away. they don't and want so you I, browsing I, without joining. I understand. I understand yeah. that. And yeah. I'm, uh, my, my experience with being on Facebook it was so horrible. I don't want it to happen again. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it was. Sorry, but there was some guy that was asking me boxing questions, and you know, all his friends pop up, and apparently he's a boxer from Barcelona or something, and his friends were all these ring card girls and strippers. <laughs> of course. And one of them contacts me and. <laughs> says, do you like me? And I look at this picture, and, you know, I can't even speak her language, but I definitely like her. So I said, yeah, I like you. <laughs> oh, okay. see, that's like really you. dangerous. Well. <laughs> Anybody can go and get a picture of an attractive young lady and create a, a, an account that makes it look like that's you. Okay. And then... Oh, James, I, I need your, I want to come visit you. I need your credit card number. It's, you know, something like this. And then, then you're in trouble. Yeah, I had some Russian chick tried that on, uh, mm. tried on me before. It was probably, uh, probably pictures of his little sister that he kept locked in the closet or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's probably some guy that would just come here and beat me up and take my stuff. Right. But it, the, uh, I, Join Facebook, whatever you friend your cousin, however that works. I, I friended my cousin from San Francisco who's a landscaper, and she she emails me. She said, could I please, when, when, I, uh, when I get on Facebook, could I please not see ass? <laughs> I was like, what? She's like, well, you know, apparently you have a friend that's a stripper in Barcelona, and every time I get on Facebook with my 10-year-old, her giant ass <laughs> just shows up on the screen. I was like, okay, I'm done. And then what the real killer was is I, when I joined, I had to give a, a location where I was born, and I was writing the extraterrestrial anthropologist book at the time, so I put it as Machu Picchu. Now, <laughs> And I spelled it correctly. I knew how it was spelled. And I even checked in one of my books to make sure I spelled it right. And this same cousin, she married a dude named Pedro, who actually saved the Japanese president of Peru from a gunman one time. Whoa. He was on his security detail. Real big. It looks like he could have been the champion Inca wrestler that Alonzo Diaz wrestled, you know, like 500 years ago. A real, real big guy named Pedro. He's a great guy. And he took offense to the fact that Machu Picchu was misspelled on my Facebook page, and I looked at it, and it had changed the spelling. Oh. And I talked to my webmaster about it. He said, that's social media. That's what it does. So many people have misspelled that word that that is now the spelling, <laughs> and it will correct your spelling. And I was like, oh, I'm done. I mean, this is, you know, I, it, no, so I yeah. just get me off of this thing, and I've never been on again. I appreciate Bart uh, making me a Facebook page so that uh, when people get upset with me, they have a place to go and disapprove and give me the <laughs> down and uh, like me. <laughs> yeah, we love hate mail. I, I'm in favor of hate mail. I think it's really entertaining. <laughs> I do. You, have you had any recently? I 
I think you should. I don't read my comments anymore. You I don't, don't have enough them. time. Uh, no, but I there's did. none in your. I haven't seen any in your comments. I'm thinking. I'm thinking a really uh, motivated hater that wrote you a real email. Like oh, the, like the cop. Uh, I've had uh, a few. That was probably about the worst. There was a lady whose husband was a cop who debated me very politely, and I think I just upset her. Uh, I hope her husband wasn't one of those Chicago cops who committed suicide. Oh, I feel really bad then. Yeah. Uh, but the the worst thing I've ever gotten as far as a comment was I reviewed, and it's still up there, way back. Uh, I reviewed Willie. Lamore's novel about the American Indian fighter pilot that gets shot down over Siberia. Uh, Last of the Breed. So it's about this Yakut Siberian guy tracking this uh, guy that was like a Blackfoot Indian or something like that. And, and th- so it, it, was, it was pretty cool. There was, there was one part where he switched perspectives like three times in one scene, which I disapproved of. I just thought it was cheap. The guy could write better than that. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think one of his loyalists uh, read it and just gave me an F.U. For- <laughs> so that is proudly displayed like five years ago. Uh, the comment feed for my website is still up there if you want to check out my review of Last of the Breed. That's about all I can remember. I don't know how you do all these types of analyses with lots of data and you just do it manually. It's kind of insane. So just to, uh, to say, just to like, sense. for the boxing book, The Greatest Boxer, you have all these metrics that you... Um... Well, somebody with a real functional math brain actually did most of the work for me. Okay, okay. Uh, what I did was add. Okay, I, I assigned values to uh, getting knocked out was, was worth half a point. Knocking somebody out, I think, was worth five points, something like that. Okay, it was like a 10 to 1. And I just went through, after I signed these values, I went through all of the fighters' records, and I added them up. I was adding these up, and then I would take them to to Steve, and he, this guy, even after he showed me how to do things with a calculator, he does it quicker in his head than I can, than I could with a calculator. Uh, We did it three ways. He thought that counting everything they did in the ring was giving too much credit to their guys that maybe fought too much and didn't have really great results. And I thought that uh, that giving too much credit to the guy that was undefeated was really distorting too because this is usually a very carefully managed guy who avoids fighting the best men of his generation. Right. Rocky Marciano didn't stick around and fight Sonny Liston. Uh, Michael Sphinx, he... Uh, he avoided a lot of really tough guys, and when he ended up fighting somebody that that was a really tough guy, he just got squashed in like 116 seconds. So what we did, and I don't remember how he did it because I can't think this way, we did both of those numbers, mm-hmm. uh, and then we did uh, he generated another one by combining those two methods. So we actually had three different numbers. And for the final score, we took the third one. So we really have a work rate number, which Sam Langford scores the highest on that. Then we had the quality outcome number, you know, your wins versus your losses. So, of course, an undefeated guy scores huge right. on that. And then you have with that, you have some pretty obscure fighters finish way at the top. Uh, you'd have guys like Lennox Lewis 
and Michael Spinks, who we know today, but they were, they're obscure in the big scheme of things, finished way up the top. We noticed that uh, uh, Joe Gans was in the top ten on both tracks. I still don't understand how that could even work, but it did, and he double-checked hmm. it for it. Uh, so then when we combine those two numbers together, Joe Gans ends up way up at the top. Uh, one of the places it's get, it gets distorted, Ray Robinson won his first 100 fights, or it might have been his first 120 or 25 fights. Wow. But he fought 15 years past his prime. Mm. So he ends up with like 24 losses out of 200 and some fights. Uh, when you try to compare him to a guy who fought carefully selected opposition and only had 30 fights, you imagine that. You have to redo this guy's career four times before you even get to Ray Robinson losing his first fight. Wow. But if you're just going uh, a, a ratio of wins to losses, then this guy looks a lot better than Ray Robinson, when in reality, Ray Robinson beat up 100 dudes like him. Yeah. You know, before, he even, uh, before he even had a loss, and then he beat that guy six times. So I thought that a lot of it had to take into account uh, quality of opposition. So like him fighting uh, Jake LaMotta, that was seven fights for both of them with a Hall of Fame guy. And those were also championship fights. So they both get extra credit for that. You know, James, um, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you short, but I'm getting uh, interrupted here. That's all. Uh, but I think it's a good topic, and we could probably come back to it because – it's interesting. It kind of compares to like sabermetrics for um, baseball. I would be really surprised if anybody else has done any kind of similar analysis to that. You know, the one thing, Steve, the guy that did these uh, numbers for me, he's a huge baseball fan. He oh. just loves it because it's a numbers sport. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's a real math geek, and I, you know, so I can't even just uh, uh, I can't even recall the method he used, but. So there's three ways of working these numbers, and, you know, uh, the third way is going to be a blend of the two. All right. Thank you for listening to Episode 2 of the Crackpot Podcast with James LaFond and Lynn Lockhart.